All right. We're going to go ahead and jump into the message this morning. I'm having a little trouble, honestly, kind of getting myself situated up here. But uh, I, think, I think we're going to be good. But if my notes go flying, it won't be the first time. But we are actually getting very close to being finished with Philippians. We actually have this service this morning. And then next week, next week we will be actually concluding the book of Philippians. We've entitled our series, Always Choose Joy. And we've kind of journeyed through this book together. I hope that you've enjoyed our time looking at this uh, for just a couple more weeks. Um, we are going to be looking and diving into Philippians. We'll be in Philippians 4 starting this morning. We'll, we'll do about half of Philippians 4 this morning and then next week we'll finish up with Philippians 4. But again, as we've looked at this together, we have to remember once again that, that as we choose joy, we are choosing Jesus. We know that. We, we've heard that. I know we've had been in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, uh, which is a command which reminds us to always, always be joyful. And uh, I, I want to encourage you that, that I know at times it's hard. I know at times there's moments where it's very, very easy to be joyful. And then there's times where it's almost impossible in our own strength to be joyful. But, but Paul, as he's writing these things to the, the church in Philippi, as he's writing these things to other churches that we see even in other letters, there's such a command element to this because it is hard. You know, I don't have to command you to do something that you want to do in a lot of ways. I didn't have to walk up to anybody and, and, and necessarily say, you know, you are going to do something that you want to do or it's easy to do. You do those fairly on your own. But, but when it comes to things sometimes that are harder, God does come to us and kind of command us. And here's the thing. When you think about that, don't look at that as a negative. Like, like I remember hearing that as a, as a younger person, like, you know, God, why, why are you commanding me to be this? But, but let's think about what God is really doing here in these verses, what Paul's kind of communicating. Basically, God is looking at you as his child, as someone he loves, and he's commanding you, you must have joy. Like, he didn't say you must be miserable. He didn't say you must cry. He didn't say you must have, you know, you know a, a bad back or whatever. He said you have to be joyful. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's kind of the Father that we have. Is he commands us to be joyful. He wants that a part of our lives. So as we've done earlier, as we've looked through this uh, throughout the series, we are going to look at uh, every word in the book of Philippians together. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your phones, whichever you prefer to use, let's open your Bibles up to Philippians 4. We're going to look at Philippians 4 verses 1 through 9 this morning. So let's look at that together. Philippians 4, starting with verse 1, going to verse 9. He says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, I want to stop here for just a second because I want to explain something to you. Although we are going to be looking at this first verse in our section this morning, remember, that basically we don't know where Paul broke up things when he was writing these letters. When we have our chapters and verses, which are great and fine, even our subheadings in Scripture, those are not inspired by God. They're just simply there to help us as we look through the Scripture. And I would say that sometimes they do an amazing job of breaking down things, and sometimes they don't do such a great job. This is one of those instances where I feel like they didn't do a very good job. Now, you may think they did great, but I, I'm not real fond of it. But, but in this, basically, if I would have broken it down, I would have had verses 1 to be a part of basically chapter 3. 
I would have had verse 2 start chapter 4. Because really, in verse 1, Paul is kind of wrapping up some things that he was saying in chapter 3, in yesterday, or not yesterday's, last week's message. But because that's how he broke it down, we are going to stay with that. But, but when he talks to her about basically my beloved and, and all those sort of things, he's kind of wrapping up a little bit what he finished up in chapter 3. So let's continue now with verse number 2, because he kind of at this point kind of shifts slightly and begins to kind of move in a little bit different of a direction. And again, this morning, that's going to be a little bit more what we're going to focus in on this morning. So again, now back to our scriptures, chapter 4, verse number 2. He says, I entreat uh, Edia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, known, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And again, as we come to you right now, we ask that you would just help us as we open your word and begin to really digest some of these scriptures Father, that Paul wrote to this church that, God, you would, through your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to what you desire to show us today and to help us to experience in our own lives. We love you and we do thank you for this time and this opportunity to come and to be in your presence together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, here we go. So in a lot of ways, what Paul is doing here is Paul is kind of beginning to wrap things up. Obviously, this is the end of his letter as we get into chapter 4. And so we're really beginning to kind of bring things together. And, and Paul is kind of at this particular time in his letter, he kind of is knowing that. He's kind of beginning to wrap it up. Maybe he's running out of paper or running out of ink, regardless of what he's doing. He's saying, okay, I think we need to start kind of bringing this to a close. And as he's doing that, he begins to do something that I think most of us have experienced in our own lives. And I thought it's kind of interesting today being Father's Day. And, and I will say that I don't get this very often. Uh, I do get one of these, but I think most of us have gotten one of these, whether from our spouse or maybe a parent or something like that. And, and I don't know if you've ever gotten one of these before, but I've gotten them sparingly. But when I get them, I have to make sure I, I accomplish them. But how many of you have ever gotten a honeydew list? Anybody? Yes. Okay. Several. Oh, yeah. My wife is raising her hand. I don't know why. I never asked her to do anything. So anyway. Um, but anyway, a honeydew list. And and hey, shush, quiet. Anyway, um, I don't even think she was laughing. That was Tammy there. Anyway, too many secrets. Too many things known. Anyway. And so in a honeydew list is one of those things, obviously, that we get and, and we go, you know, I really want to, to accomplish these things. Sometimes they may be things around the house or, hey, could you help in this area or do something like that? And obviously we, we would be, uh, anytime we, we have someone ask us to want to help us, we want us to do something, we want to help and be a part of that. Well, Paul, in a lot of ways, in a weird way, 
is basically writing out a honeydew list for the church in Philippi. He's kind of bringing it all to a close. And you got to remember this too as well. He's writing this from prison. Now we know that Paul does leave prison before he's killed later, but he doesn't know that. And so he, this is kind of maybe his last kind of thing that he's communicating to this people that he loves. And so he basically begins to say some things. Listen, I need you to be doing this. I need you to be a part of this. I need you to, to let these things be a part of your life. And so Paul begins to kind of write out the honeydew list for the church in Philippi. This morning what we're going to look at is we're going to look at basically the seven things in these scriptures that Paul encourages and exhorts the people in Philippi to be about in his absence and even if he shows up. These are things that because of what he's writing, these are things that he also wants to encourage us to do today as well. And so we're going to break these down. We're going to look at all seven of these together as kind of the things that as, as we close down this chapter here this week and next week that would also be a part of our lives. So the first thing Paul actually tells them to do is he tells them to first stand firm in the Lord. In verse number one, he says, stand firm firm in the Lord. He, he kind of brings this up and, and kind of as he, at the ends, kind of as we talked about earlier, that idea of, of the first chapter, the first verse there really kind of being more a part of this, the third chapter. He kind of begins to shift there as he basically talks about stand firm thus in the Lord. He talks about this idea of crown and that they will be his crown and all those sort of things. But at the same time, he begins to shift and says, listen, you need to stand firm in the Lord. And it's very interesting here because as Paul has written things back in chapter 3, he's talked about how we have our citizenship in heaven, how God is going to give us a brand new body and all those sort of things when we reach eternity. And he's basically saying because of those things, therefore, brothers, you need to stand firm in this. You need to stand firm in the fact that you have a citizenship that isn't of this world, but is it of heaven. And so therefore, as a citizen, you need to act like a citizen of the place you're from, is what he's communicating. And one of the things that we do to show our citizenship is stand in the Lord and not stand in other things. And Paul wants to encourage us to do that. Because it's so easy in our world today to stand on other things. I can stand on my talent or my ability. I can stand on what's in my bank account. Or I can stand on my, even like my health or other areas. I can stand on those things. And listen, those things are not necessarily bad. But they're not who we should be standing on. We should be standing on the Lord. And anytime I hear that, I always go back to when I was, you know, very young. And, and hearing the song about the, the wise and the foolish man. And where they built their homes. And one obviously built it on the sand. And when the rains came down and the troubles came down, and they will come down, the house went splat. But when we build our house, when we build our lives, when we stand on the rock that is the Lord, no matter what the storm does, no matter what takes place around us, we can stand firm. And the first thing, Paul, as he begins to kind of give out this list of honeydews and kind of says, I need you to do this. I need you to be about this. He says, first, you have to stand firm, but you have to stand firm in the Lord. There's a lot of people that try to stand firm in other things. And eventually the rains come, the troubles come, the things happen in our lives and they will go flat. We can only stand firm when we are in the Lord. Any other place is not a secure place to stand. 
It's not. Listen, listen, here's the deal. Like, like I'll be real honest with you. I, I, you know, I'm just going to use myself as an example here. I love my wife, but she is not a secure place to stand. Okay? That's not her job in my heart and in my life. That's Jesus' job. I stand on him. Okay? So I give you that as an example. It's something that's wonderful. Something that God has given me as a gift. But even that's not my security. Jesus is my security. And we have to do that. So Paul begins this and basically says, listen, you need to stand in the Lord. Now, as we get to verse number two, we see, again, Paul begin to shift slightly. So the second thing he asked them to do is agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. And in chapters, or verse numbers two and three, Paul begins to talk about a, a little bit of a discord, a little bit of problem in the church. And he actually mentions two ladies. And these are ladies. We know that these are feminine names. And basically, we, we kind of... Now, here's the thing I always think about when I read this, okay? This was read out loud, okay? Now, I want you to imagine that for a second. So let's, 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 go, let's go play a game, okay? Let's play a game, and let's, let's pretend, just so that we don't have anybody throwing something at me. Let's pretend that we have Jennifer... Do we have any Jennifers in our church? Okay, good. Of course we do. I, I'm trying to come up with... Uh, okay, um, Lucy, yes. Lucy and Ethel. We don't have a Lucy and Ethel, okay? That makes perfect sense. I was like, Jennifer, yes, we do have a Jennifer, of course. Anyway, Lucy and Ethel, okay? So I, I, I say, listen, folks, listen, I love you very, very much, but uh, I'm going to be gone for the next three months. Um, you know, please don't, thank you. I'm glad no one cheered. I'm going to be gone for the next three months, but I'll send, you, I'll send you a letter, okay? But I'll be back. Don't worry. You have church. Everything will be fine, but I'll be back in about three months. And about two months in, you get a letter from me, Okay? And maybe, maybe Zach's on the board, so Zach comes up and he goes, look, we got a letter from Pastor Aaron. I'm going to read it to the church. And so he comes up on a Sunday. He begins to read the letter out. And then he gets to this point where it's basically, and you know Lucy and Ethel, they got some problems. And they're arguing, and they need to knock it off. Now, of course... First of all, Lucy and Ethel would probably have a fit right there. But also, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, quiet as a church mouse, probably. So everybody would be like, oh, oh, he went there. Yeah. Paul writes this letter and it's read out loud. And obviously he goes, you know what? There's some problems here and they need to be dealt with. And Paul was not afraid to bring it in front of everybody to get it dealt with. Now, here's what we know about these two ladies, okay? We don't know a ton about them, but here's the thing. Paul gives them some very strong praise. They're, they're, they're people that, that have, have labored side by side with Paul. These are not ladies that don't know the Lord. They do know the Lord. But yet somewhere, somehow, there is some kind of a dispute that takes place between them. And Paul's basically saying, look, we need to deal with with the dispute but he does it in an interesting way okay he doesn't necessarily dive into the dispute we don't know what the dispute is instead of focusing on the dispute on the argument paul instead says you need to focus on something that matters more than the argument you have now here's what i would say about that paul never had an issue in any of his letters of basically saying here's the issue here's the problem and i'm going to deal with it so I do not believe that these ladies had a, a, like a, like a theological mistake in their lives. 
I would say they had an argument about something that really in the scope of eternity didn't matter at all. Maybe they were, didn't like the music. Okay, I'm giving you some, some maybe more modern. They didn't like the, you know, the color of the carpet. They didn't like the backstage wall. Whatever it might be. So Paul doesn't dive into that. He dives into something different. He commands them. He tells them something different. He, listen, because this is in your notes. This is, whatever the dispute is about, uh, Idia and uh, Syntyche uh, had forgotten that they have a greater common ground in Jesus Christ. They forgot that everything else was less important than that common ground. They forgot what mattered. And so what does Paul encourage them to do? He says, listen, you're going to have some arguments, you're going to have some disagreements with people in the church. And, and these are, again, these were, these were ladies that had, had labored with Paul. And he says, listen, sometimes you're going to have some disagreements, but sometimes you need to stop being so focused on the disagreement and start focusing on what you do agree about. And he says, agree in the Lord. Agree that there's something greater than the things that you're concerned about right now. Because here in a lot of ways, here's what happens, okay? When we're having disagreements about things like that, what our focus is, is our focus is in ourselves. What we want to be right, that we want our needs met, that we want so-and-so things to take place. When we stop that and focus in on the Lord, basically we take and we shift our focus onto him. And at that point, the little things don't matter as much. Because what's important is him. What's important is that we can agree in the Lord. And that's what Paul encourages these two ladies to experience. He says, basically, listen, you got, you got disagreements. I get it. There's always going to be disagreements between people. But you know what? It's not so much about the disagreement right now. What matters is that you have a bond and you have something to be unified around. And it's not a program. It's not a denomination. It's a man in the, and, and, and his name is Jesus. And he says, get around and agree about him. And here's what I found. It, I've just seen it over and over and over again. When you get people who are focused on agreeing on Jesus, it's amazing how quickly disagreements and disunity go by the wayside. It's amazing. And so if there's disunity, if there's issues, one of the things we always want to do is stop and go, listen, are we, are we agreeing in the Lord here? Because a lot of times that's our issue. We're really not. And when we get those things in line, everything else seems to flow and everything else seems to continue on the way we need it to do. Number three, the third thing that Paul tells us Simply rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. He says rejoice in verse 4, in the Lord again always. And he says, and again I'll say it, rejoice. So again, Paul once again writing this letter in, 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 in basically house arrest, not knowing if he was going to survive to finish the letter. At any point in time they could have said off with his head and that's it. Maybe that's why he's trying to get all these things in. Maybe he had a bad day and he's like, man, this could be it. I, I might not make it to the evening. And so he's getting this down as quickly as he can so that it can be delivered and taken. But regardless of his situation, regardless of his circumstance, he was going to cry out to rejoice. Always 
rejoice. And here's the thing, and we've talked about this a little bit, but we want to kind of dive a little bit deeper. Paul's joy, it wasn't based on, in sunny optimism or positive mental attitude as much as it was in the confidence that God was in control. Okay, It really was a joy in the Lord. Okay, Confidence of God being in control. Paul kind of writes about that and he shares that earlier on in Philippians. Again, we've talked about it. Whether, whether he, he lives or dies, it doesn't matter to Paul because Paul's confidence that God is in control of his life. And one of the things that can bring so much joy that is so counterintuitive to us in America in a lot of ways is this idea of allowing someone else to have control. We love control. We call it freedom, don't we? Now, I'm not saying freedom is bad at all. Don't misunderstand. I love freedom. But a lot of times, control is really what we want. I want control over these situations or over these circumstances. I want control over this person or whatever it might be. And God is basically saying, listen, if you want to experience true freedom, if you want to experience true joy, what you have to do is let go and have confidence by putting God in control. So no matter what happens, God's in control. And not, not like a bumper sticker Christianity kind of thing, but a faith, a deep understanding that, listen, it doesn't matter what takes place today. It doesn't take what takes place tomorrow in my life because God is in control and God has my best interests at heart. And he's able to do that. The people that I have found in my life constantly that have the most joy are those who have given God the most control. I just, it's, it's, it happens over and over again. If you say, Aaron, I'm having a hard time being joyful, then I would say, listen, let's not look at the necessarily the, the symptom. Let's go to the disease. And sometimes the disease is not wanting to give God control over every area of your life. You say, I'm, 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 I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling with, with financial issues. Have you really given God all that over to him? So that you can have joy, knowing that he'll take care of that. Sometimes we have to take that step back and look. And so Paul here is in that moment, once again, where he doesn't know if he's going to survive. And he can say, I rejoice, because he was confident in God. He was confident that God was in control. Number four, number four, Paul tells us to basically act like the Lord act like the Lord. Now this isn't interesting because here in verse 5, in verse, uh, the first part of verse 5, we see a word in the ESV that will be probably different depending on what translation you're using, okay? So in the ESV, it's this word that is basically reasonableness. In other translations, you'll see words like gentleness or patience or, or moderation, kindness can also be used. And that's because the word Paul uses here in the Greek means all of those things. It's a very broad word. And so it can be translated in many, many different ways. And I want to put this in your note. So, so Paul used an interesting ancient word here. It's, it's, it's actually epia, okay? And it can be translated, again, as gentleness, unselfishness, kindness, patience, moderation, and graciousness, okay? So he uses this word that really means a lot in the ancient Greek. And he says basically to us, he says, let that be a part of your life. Be that way. 
basically. And again, depending on the translation you're looking at, you'll find many, many different ideas and concepts that are basically similar, but have a little bit of difference. And as I begin to look at that, and I begin to study that, and I begin to look at that word, like, like who, who what, what is Paul really saying here? Why, who, who, are we just supposed to be meek or kind or what? And as I begin to think about it, I was like, you know, the person that I think of that meets all of those criteria is Jesus. He, he's, he's, he's kind. He was unselfish. He, he had all of, he had a gentle spirit, okay? So many examples of Jesus in his ministry where, where he had a gentleness about him that was, that was not weakness, but actually a deep, deep strength. I have said it, I, I, as, as it being on Father's Day, I think it fits very, very much. I always tell guys that I think what God wants us to be, because I see this in his personality as a father, is he's asked us to be steel covered in velvet. Steel covered in velvet. When I think about Jesus and I think about him with the little children, I see steel covered in velvet. When I see the woman that they find and they, they, they bring her in, has been caught in the act of adultery. I see steel wrapped in velvet. I see something that is very, very strong internally, but yet very, very soft to the touch. That can be used to comfort, but also to bring forth strength and security. When I think about this word in the Greek, if I could translate, and I would never ever try, but if I translated the Bible and had it my own little way, I'd say be steel covered in velvet. And the person that shows me that more than anyone is Jesus. There is a strength there, but yet there's a tenderness there. There is a kindness there. There is a love and a mercy there. And listen, I believe that it describes a person who is really free to let go of their, uh, their, their troubles and all the things that cause them stress because they know that the Lord will take up their case. So they basically can just say, you know what? I can let it go because I know God's got it. I know he's got it. And so we can respond to people and respond to situations in that way. And so to try, instead of trying to basically focus in on this word that means so many things, I would say, listen, just act like Jesus. Just act like Jesus. Have that, that mentality of velvet covered in steel so that you have that strength and that, that ability to stand, but yet at the same time a softness and a kindness and a tenderness that would cause little children to desire to be around you, just like Jesus, just like Jesus. Number five, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Paul continues in the second part of, of verse number five and moves into verse number six by beginning to talk about these things, about don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, prayer and all these sort of things. And I, I want you to understand something, that this, this is not, and it's in your notes, I want you to get this, this is a command. This is not an option, Okay. Like, I know we all get anxious about some things. We all deal with some things. But God here through Paul and through the Holy Spirit is basically telling you, stop it. That is not what God has for you. And look, this is important. Undue care is an intrusion into the arena that belongs to God alone. It makes us the father of the household instead of being a child. Okay, I, I, I'm hitting this hard because I believe this is something God very much wants to communicate to us this morning. 
okay? I want you to think about what I've communicated. I want to explain it a little bit, okay? Because this idea of being anxious, I believe, is, a, is literally controlling people in ways that have, I've never seen happen before. And I believe it is a lie from the pit of hell that, God, that the enemy is using to keep people in bondage and away from true freedom in him, okay? And I don't want that for you. I don't want it for me. And so we need to look at this, okay? I want you to think about this. Again, Father's Day. So this week, my mind was definitely on a lot of these father-child examples. But I think you all could understand this example. It, it, I, I don't ever remember this happening, okay? I, I've been, I don't know, you know, I've been in the house and Easton has never walked up to me. I don't ever remember doing this as a child. I had a brother and two sisters. I don't ever remember them saying this. I never saw one of my friends do this. But this has never happened to me. Where my child has walked up to me and said, Dad, I need to talk to you. Sure, son, what can I do? What, what, what do you need? Well, Dad, I've just been thinking. And, uh, you know, the economy isn't quite what it you know, used to be. And, and, you know, the inflation and things like that. And, Dad, well, I'm, I'll just be honest with you. Dad, I'm just really concerned about how we're going to pay the electric bill. Never once. I've never had my son come up to me and say, Dad, you know, I'm a little concerned here. Um, you know, your mutual funds and, 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 you know, your IRAs, you know, they're not doing so well. I'm, I'm a little concerned, Dad. Maybe we should diversify a little bit more. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not feeling good about these things. He, he doesn't do that. I never did that. I even was thinking earlier this week, like, how nice it would be if I didn't have to think about stuff like that. Well, you know what? I don't have to, and I'll explain why in a minute. But as a child, he's never done that. I never did that. Because that's not an area that is his to be concerned about. His area is to trust that his mom and his dad will meet his needs. That's all he has to concern himself with. And he has experienced enough time with his mom and dad to know that we will do everything we can to meet those needs and have and will continue to be faithful in doing so. Now, I didn't say his wants, I said his needs. So he doesn't have to worry about we're going to the light switch and turning it on because he believes, he has trust that I am going to and M is going to pay the electric bill. That when he goes and it's cold, that the heat will come on or whatever it might be, that there will be food on the table. He does not enter into that arena because it belongs to his father and his mother. He simply trusts. And listen, when you live a life that is filled with worry and with doubt and all those things, you have entered into an arena that as a child you are not supposed to be in. That's your father's arena, not yours. You trust him. And here's the deal. We all know this. God, our father, is so much more trustworthy than me. He will meet our needs. We, listen, we get to be a child. So although in my life, there are times where it's very easy to walk into the Father's domain. I need to step back and instead go, you know what, God? I've done all that I can do. I trust you. I leave it to you. That's your place. That's your time. And I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. 
But listen, when God has told us, and even Jesus said the same thing, do not worry. Those are not optional for us. Those are things that God wants you to experience. And joy will come more and more freely when you let go of the things that are not really your business to hold on to. So he says, trust in the Lord. But then he continues on. He says, listen, I'm not going to tell you what not to do. I'm going to tell you what to do, which is really nice. Paul begins to mention this idea of prayer. And Paul mentions two aspects of prayer that are similar but are different, a little bit, little bit di- distinct, basically. So we want to look at these as well because not only does he say, listen, don't be anxious about anything, don't worry, but when you're getting that way, because we all do, do this instead. The first thing he mentions is obviously prayer. Now, we have a better idea usually of prayer. That's basically a broader word that can mean all kinds of our communication with God. Okay, it can be what you normally think of prayer. Worship can be prayer. Um, Listen, obedience can be prayer in a lot of ways. Any, Any way that you're communicating with God in those ways is prayer. It's a broad term that means those things. But Paul also uses a word called supplication. Supplication is a little different. It is directly asking God to do something. Okay? So Paul here tells us, listen, listen, when we pray, prayer is a great part. But listen, it's okay to ask God about stuff and to ask him to do things for us. Okay? So he mentions two things. And and basically, listen, prayer is great and we need to always be praying. We've talked about that earlier this year. But at the same time, supplication is also important because what we're doing when we are in a moment of supplication before the Lord is what we're doing is we're basically casting our cares upon him so he can handle it. So we say, listen, Father, I'm concerned about something that I know I don't need to be anxious about. So God, will you help me in this area, whether it be maybe finances or a relationship or whatever? Will you bring peace in that situation? Will you bring hope in that situation? Will you supply all our needs according to your riches in glory in that situation? That's supplication. That's asking the Lord to act on our behalf. And he asks us to do that. He wants that. So not only does Paul tell us, don't worry, don't be anxious. But when you are beginning to let those things come in, and we all do, he says, pray and be in supplication before the Lord. And he says also to do it with thanksgiving. Okay? He doesn't say do it as a whiner. He doesn't do it as in like, God, you've let me down. But in thanksgiving, like, God, you've always been faithful. God, I know you love me. God, I know what your word says. And I stand on that. I know you've asked me to bring my needs. And so I am with a thankful heart, knowing that you will provide for what I need. So it's more than just not being anxious. It's coming with the Lord with a thankful heart and with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, knowing that God is going to work on your behalf. And allowing that to take place. Number six. Number six. He tells us to have the peace of the Lord. In verse number seven, he mentions that. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Such a, just an awesome verse. But we need to break this down a little bit. Because really the Bible talks about three great aspects of peace that relates to God. Okay, we need to understand what Paul is talking about here. 
so that we understand the, the, the depth of what he's communicating. The first that really the Bible talks about is this idea of peace from God. Peace from God. That is when we understand the gift of peace that we get from God. Okay, It's a gift that God gives us. So it's, we, we first start with that idea. The second is this idea of peace with God. Peace with God. Okay, The peace that we have with God is because of the relationship we now have with God because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, okay? So now we can experience peace from God. We can also experience peace with God because of what Jesus has done. Paul here is talking about a third type of peace, and that is the peace of God, okay? This is different than the peace from God and the peace with God. What Paul, and he, and he kind of talks about it here. It's like, this is like peace that's like beyond understanding. You know, and it, I've always been like, how can peace be beyond understanding? What does that really mean? Well, it really is in understanding what Paul is trying to get you to see, especially when you understand the different types of peace that the Bible talks about. So in this, Paul mentions the peace of God. Let me explain this to you the best way I can imagine how. Do you think right now, with even everything that's kind of going out of control and everything's crazy and all those sort of things, do you think God is sitting up in heaven on his throne, wringing his hands, going, oh boy, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Boy, it's getting to be messy. I don't know. Or how about, let me make it more personal. Do you think he's sitting up in heaven going, oh man, that Aaron guy? Well, I have just tried and I've tried and I've tried to get him to understand and he just won't do it. I'm just losing it. I can't. Why will he do what I've asked him to do? What is the problem here? Do you think that's God on his throne? Of course not. God has ultimate peace because he knows yesterday, today, he's, this, he's got it. Like God's not, I mean, we always talk about that. God's not sitting up there worried. God's not sitting there like, oh boy, the enemy's really making headroads over here. No! God's sitting there going, I will be victorious. I win. And there's no doubt. That's God's peace. When Paul writes this, he's saying you can have that type of peace. God's peace. That blows my mind is exactly what he says. Think about that. The, the peace that passes all understanding is the peace that God experiences all the time that he now offers to you. That's mind-blowing. That's what he means. That's the type of peace. Ultimate peace, ultimate confidence that it doesn't matter what happens. There's a peace. That is the type of peace that Paul is saying that God is offering that will pass all understanding. That, listen, here, that is the peace that will guard your hearts and your minds. The word guard here in the original Greek really does have the sense of, of a military action. 
It's literally the idea Paul's trying to get us to understand is literally this is the piece that literally stands and repels anything that would attack our peace in our heart or our minds. That's the type of peace. And listen, that's the type of peace that can bring forth so much joy in our hearts, in our lives. If you want that peace, it only comes from God because he's the only one who experiences it with his son and the Holy Spirit. And it's absolutely incredible. The final, the seventh and the final thing. He says, meditate on the things of and from the Lord. Let's look at this. It won't be on, your, it won't be on the screen, but, but listen. He says, finally, brothers. He's kind of bringing this part of the, the chapter, this part of the book to a close as well. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul basically says, man, listen, you got to make sure your, your mind is where it needs to be focused on. And it's so easy to let our mind focus in on things that are not true and things that are not honorable and things that are not just. But this is so important. We see it on Romans. We see Paul also talk about this in 2 Corinthians, this idea of the mind, how God wants to transform your mind and how important it is. Listen, I put it in your notes. These things, Paul would say, are the fruit and the food of the mind that is guarded by the peace of God. When we put these good things into our mind, they stay in our mind and then come forth from us. They come forth. From us. Okay? Listen, if you are going to focus on things that are false and things that are not true, guess what will eventually exit your mouth, your body? The same thing. If you focus on things that are not honorable, eventually those things will come out in your body. They will come out in your actions and the way you speak and the way you live. But listen, if you surround yourself and focus in on the things that are lovely and commendable and honorable and just and pure, those things will begin to come forth from you. In a lot of ways, as Paul kind of wants us to see and is in your notes, it's the fruit and the food that you focus in on that can come forth in your life. So Paul, as he's writing all these things, the last thing he kind of thinks on is like, listen, as I'm kind of wrapping all this up finally, focus on these things. Focus on these things, because these are the things that will bring forth some really good fruit in your life. Listen, if you're going to focus in on impure things, eventually you're going to have impure actions that will come from it. It just, that's, just, that's just the idea that God places in his word when it comes to reaping and sowing. It's just how it works. But when you focus on purity and you focus on honorable things, listen, you want to be honored? Great. We all do. Honor someone else. Let's honor be a focus of your heart and of your life. Because when you begin to give honor out, God always will bring it back onto you. It's not because you want that honor. Don't do it the wrong way. But you get what I mean here. It's the idea of reaping and sowing. If you want your home to be a home 
of, 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 of purity and, and, and just and all those things, you need to make sure that you as a father or a mother or whoever, a husband or a wife, you are bringing those things into your home. I'll be honest with you, and I think we all could probably look at our own lives in some way, shape, or form and go, there are probably some things in here that aren't so lined up with these things that we need to be real aware of. And here's the thing. This idea here of thinking and meditating is different than just, like, thinking about it, okay? The idea that Paul is getting at, wanting us to understand, is the idea of lingering on things, okay? Listen, I've always used this as an example, and not that we go to the store much anymore, but we used to all the time, remember? Remember back in the old days? And we'd go and we'd have to go check out, remember that? Like you didn't have to do it yourself. And as you would go, I know there's times where you still do that, but you come up, and I remember as a kid, especially, you know, a younger teenager and, and in college, man, you'd go in at Walmart, at college or wherever you were at, you'd come up, and there were the magazines, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And there's a difference between walking up and going, nope, I'm not going to look at that, and going, yep, we're going to sit here and meditate on what has been presented on the cover of that magazine. There's a big difference. And what Paul here is saying is like, listen, it's, it's very difficult to keep those thoughts from coming in. They can come quickly. They can come fast. They can come at you. He said, but listen, you're not, to, you're not to meditate on those things. Let them go in your brain and right back out of them again because you're meditating on things that are better and that are pure and that are honorable in God's sight. And when that happens, it'll come forth. Paul wraps up this section with verse number nine. Let's look at it together as we kind of close. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I love how Paul kind of wraps up this whole section. He's just given us these seven ideas and seven honeydew lists. And listen, I know it's like a long list. Like sometimes, you know, you get your honeydew list, and you're like, oh, yeah, I got that. No problem. Other times it's like, whoa, this is a big old list. And I know for you, maybe right now you go, man, that's a pretty big list. But Paul at the end of it says, listen, practice these things practice these things what Paul wants us to understand is this is something that we have to work on it's not something that's just going to magically happen in you it's something that we have to try and work and get better and get better so no matter where you are on this list no matter how good or maybe how poorly you're handling these seven things Paul as he's kind of concluding this section is like listen Listen, just keep working at it. Just keep doing what you need to do. Keep practicing these things that I've laid out for you. And he says, if you will do that, if you'll practice these things. And listen, he doesn't say if you perfect them, God will be with you. He simply says, if you will practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. The issue here is not perfection, it's practice. And when you practice, you'll get better. 
And that's what God is wanting for us. That is how he wants us to live. That's how he wants us to complete this honeydew list that Paul has given out for us. This idea that, you know what? I may not always do it right. I may not always succeed in all of these areas. But you know what? I'm going to work at rejoicing in the Lord and doing it always. I'm going to work at acting like the Lord. I'm going to stand firm in him and not stand firm in anything else. I'm going to trust in the Lord like I never have before. And I'm going to work at it. And Paul concludes this section with that encouragement that, listen, when you work at this, when you try, God is with you. God is never going to leave you. He's going to help you in all of these areas to accomplish what he has asked you to do. Let's close. If you want, let's just close our eyes and let's just focus on the Lord real quickly. We're not going to have a long time together here, but I think it's real important that we kind of kind of bring this all to a close. Maybe there's, I know there were seven things here. There was a lot of things that Paul kind of began to list. And, and I don't know about you, but when I have a honeydew list or I have a list of any kind, I always try to look at things and kind of prioritize what I need to get done first. And so although there are seven things here, and here's the deal, maybe, maybe a couple of these you do really, really well and you've practiced them. And, and you've, you've had some real success. And that's awesome. That's great. But probably there's some areas, and there's probably more than one, that you're struggling a little with. And if that's the case, it's okay. Remember what Paul and what this God is communicating through Paul, through his Holy Spirit, is we need to practice these things. If there's an area of, you're playing a sport, and there's an area that maybe you're really good at this, but you're not so good at that, you want to spend more time on the area you need to improve on. And so what I'm going to ask is as we kind of, again, begin to close this is out of these seven, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit would want to communicate two that would be priority over the next several weeks. Two that God says, listen, you know, these are some areas that you really need to learn to practice. Maybe, maybe it's, it's that idea of, of really you're, you're not... You're anxious about a lot of things. You, you've moved into God's realm a little bit as trying to be the parent instead of being who God has called us to be, which is his child. And you need to allow God to really help you in that. Maybe, maybe for others, you stand, you're standing firm or trying to stand firm in other people or other circumstances or other, other things in your life and you're not standing firm on, in the Lord. And, and, and you need to kind of allow that to be shift a little bit. I don't know. There's seven here. But I really believe that God would want to speak to all of us, myself included. Two, that he would say, these, these are priority for today. These are some things that I want you to focus in on today. And that we know and can believe and trust that if we will practice these things, that we will grow in these things. And then maybe we'll move on to some others. But these are some things, some honeydew things that, that I believe God through Paul is asking us to be a part of. To allow to be in our lives so that we can continue to become more like Jesus. And understand and have a life that shines forth brightly into a dark world. So listen, I'm going to just pray. But I'm going to also ask you, as I guess, as I pray, that you would just ask the Lord, God, what two, what two things would you want me to focus in on over the next couple of weeks? What two things 
would you say are a little bit higher on priority? And listen, hopefully all of you got notes. And if you didn't, you know, find something to write with or you can grab some on the right way out. Take these notes home with you and maybe star or circle whatever two and, and keep them with your Bible, keep them with your devotion stuff, whatever. And just, you know, maybe, maybe stick it on your mirror in, in the bathroom so that they stay front and center over the next couple weeks and let them be things you pray about. Let them be things you work on with God's help. And I believe that if you'll do that, you will see growth in those areas in your life in a very short amount of time. So would you just do that with me? Would you just pray that God would open your heart and speak to you on just two that he wants to really make an impact in your heart as I pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, a lot of times, as Paul here in, in our scriptures is, is kind of bringing this all to a close, he's, he's almost like kind of running out of paper, running out of ink. He's like, but I got to get this down. I got to make sure. And he begins to kind of, kind of hit these points, kind of fast and furious in a lot of ways. These, these exhortations to the church in Philippi, which now we can appreciate and use in our lives today in our church. And Father, I believe that these things are, are areas that you want us all to be working on. But God, there's, there's seven here. And although each seven of these are very important, Father, I believe that, that you've asked us to focus in on two for the next several weeks. And so God, I pray that it wouldn't be, oh, I think this is what I should work on. But God, that you would speak to us very clearly about the two that you desire for our, our practice to be focused in on over the next couple of weeks. And that, Father, that you would allow those areas as we practice them, as we work on those specific things, God, I pray that growth would come in those areas, that we would trust you more, that we'd act more like you, that we'd stand firm in you. Whatever those are, whatever seven you're calling us to in this time, that those seven or those two would be right in the forefront and that God, that you would help us in those areas. We know you will and we thank you for it. God, God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this time as we've looked into your word. Father, thank you that you love us so much that you say, you know what? There's some areas that I want to help you with. There's some areas that can make an impact in your life. Thanks for loving us so much to bring those to our attention. You're so good, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, you know, to all our, our guys, man, happy Father's Day. Thank you so much for being a part of our service this morning. For those that are online, happy Father's Day to all our guys, and thank you so much for joining us. Listen, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. A great week. And also remember, we have prayer here on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. I hope to have you here if you're available. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.